0: good morning and welcome to dirt radio i am your host phil evans great to be back after a break and broadcasting live from the unceded land of the wurundjeri people in the kulin nation sovereignty never ceded paying respects to elders past and present for the mating custodianship of this land and the pivotal role that aboriginal and torres strait islander people play in social and environmental justice struggles Dirt Radio is, of course, Friends of the Earth show on 3CR, where we dig in deep to what's going on around at Friends of the Earth and also in the wider grassroots movement for social and environmental justice. Um, it has been a epic couple of weeks um, at 3CR, of course. Radio Radiothon. Um, it may be winding up to a close, but it's never too late to donate as you probably just heard. And I do want to say a little thank you to um, the people who have supported Dirt Radio through Radiothon. It is important that um, we all contribute to keep Radical Radio and community voices on the air. Um, So I just wanted to uh, read through and give a thanks to Anthony Amos, Michelle Baxter, Jane Brownrigg, Meredith Butler, Wendy Farmer, John Fraser... Ron Guy, John Kent, Jill Copple, Larissa McFarlane, Luke Neeson, Gabriel, Tara Stevenson, Jessica Tran, Michelle Vesicchio, Elizabeth Wade, and of course the wonderful Mr. Cam Walker for donating to keep Dirt Radio on the air. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for helping out. we haven't quite reached the station target yet So it's never too late to get on the phone right now And call 9419 8377 That is one nine eight three seven seven. Chuck a 03 if you're listening online later on a podcast Or via the web um, And you can donate there Or you can go to 3cr.org.au Forward slash donate Check out the website And there are heaps of ways to click through to subscribe To be part of Radiothon so it is great to be back on the air today, although um, today we're going to discuss a pretty um, serious development that is happening this week. Um, long-time listeners will be pretty familiar with the Vic Gasfield Free campaign, or Gasfield Free Vic campaign that uh, was raging from around 2011 to 2016, um, it was pretty successful. It was community-led. Over 70 communities banded together, had uh, a bit of a say and said that they didn't want their communities to be gas fields. Um, and it saw the first uh, constitutional <laughs> fracking ban um, in Australia and also the strongest permanent ban on fracking, or one of the per- strongest permanent bans on fracking in the world, um, coupled with it was a moratorium or a uh, legislated temporary stop on onshore conventional gas mining. Now, what does all that mean? Um, The wonderful Mr. Cam Walker, the campaign coordinator at Friends of the Earth Melbourne, is going to join us in a little bit to talk about that what it all means, and how you can get involved in the campaign to make sure that Victoria remains a climate justice leader and we don't see any new fossil fuel developments. That's all coming up soon in the show. For now, let's hear a bit of a track. Um, important um, as we uh, move forward also to um, send out love and support to um, everyone in Perth, Darwin, Sydney, um, who are in lockdown at the moment. We love you um, as much as we love rock and roll. Here's Joan Jet.
2: 3CR Radiothon, show your support during June, 2021. And the fossil fuel companies have known for decades what they're doing. And they've made a calculated decision that they think their profits, their short-term profit is worth more than the climate impacts that we face. Worth more than, you know, Australia being engulfed by flames. Worth more than, you know, a third of the Bangladeshis having the
0: the land that they currently live on.
2: So we, we need to show them no mercy.
0: 3CR
1: Radiothon, community-powered radio. To donate, call 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au.
0: Yeah, it is still available, open to donate to 3CR for Radiothon. So please do jump on the phone, nine four one seven uh, 419 8377 That's nine four one nine eight three seven seven, or online at 3cr.org.au to donate to 3CR. Um, bear with me one second, just having a little technical issue. We'll be back in just one second.
1: Well, if you listen to three, say oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say oh, I sure know where you are. If you listen to three, say oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say oh, clap your hands. Well check out The Happening Vibe they gonna ring up and subscribe If you listen to three say, off. Uh, Flap your ears! What? Who the hell is that?
0: Thanks for bearing with me, people. That is definitely back on 3CR now with Phil Evans uh, on Dirt Radio. And of course, as we were mentioning just before that break, today we are talking about gas and the new threat that is coming up at the moment. And joining me on the phone is the campaign coordinator at Friends of the Earth Melbourne. It is Mr. Cam Walker. How are you today, Cam? Yes, I'm good. Thanks. Sure. Great to have you on the show and thanks for joining us. Um, It's been such an epic so many years. What is it? Almost a decade ago now that this uh, campaign started to stop Victoria opening up as a gas front and possibly, I mean, I would argue one of the most successful campaigns in Australian history around in terms of the outcome for it. Um, Can you kind of give us a little bit of a snapshot back? What happened back in 2011 and and how did this threat of, of... gas and onshore gas come to Victoria?
2: Yeah, so it is remarkable that it is a decade since it all started. It kind of has gone really fast. Um, There's a little bit of prehistory here. Back in probably 2009-10, Frenzy Earth was working with farmers up in Queensland who were concerned about uh, fracking, so the process of accessing unconventional gas, which has really bad uh, ground and climate impacts. Mm. So we established Lock the Gate, And then we started to look, and that was in Queensland, and then we started to look in Victoria, and we realised that the same threat was emerging here. Mm. So at that point, there were plans to drill for CSG, for coal seam gas, and for tight gas, which is another form of unconventional gas, plus also conventional gas. And that was basically the southern half of the state in Western Victoria and Gippsland. And then... We did a road, uh, what we called a road show, a CSG free road show through Western Victoria, and then the campaign kind of kicked off from there.
0: Yeah, it was um, such an epic time. Uh, personally, that was when I started uh, volunteering at um, Friends of the Earth, and I kind of got swept up in all the excitement of uh, of working with rural communities down there in the old Quick Coal Collective. Um, h- how do those relationships really start to form? It it, it seems an unholy alliance—the idea of farmers and greenies working together.
2: Yeah, it does, and I think the relationship was kind of forged in the failure of the. regulatory system. So basically, we'd identify where there were plans to drill for gas. We'd go down, we'd talk to people, and we would suggest that they write submissions opposing the issuing of exploration licences. And basically, we lost every single time. We realised that using the system just simply wasn't going to work. And so the plan B was to work with those communities to build their political power. And that was the really exciting bit, really. We used uh, a methodology that was uh, created by a woman called Annie Mm Kier from northern New South Wales, which was the CSG-free community organising model. And basically... We worked with local community groups. They set up a local group. They ran themselves. We just supported them, but they drove the campaign. And they would go out and door knock their entire community around the question of, would you support us declaring ourselves gas field free or coal-free in some instances? Because there were a couple of coal mines Mm. on the cards back then. Then when they declared themselves they'd do basically a festival, whatever they wanted to do, you know, it might be a sign on the beach, it might be hay bales making a sign, you know, they had a folk festival in Balara, you know, it was very much a product of the local community. And basically at that point they would say the gas industry has no social licence. They have they do not have our permission to come into our community. And in the end, seventy five communities declared themselves gas field free. It was ignored by the companies, was ignored by, ignored by the political parties and by the government of the day until about 2014. And mm-hmm. everything, I think, changed at that point because the government realised that we'd built enough power that they couldn't ignore. Us. And in 2014, they put a moratorium on the process of fracking and they put a moratorium on all onshore conventional gas drilling. So that's been in place for all those years, and it's stopped a lot of greenhouse gases being released into the atmosphere.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's the, the interesting thing. I mean, I'm not going to profess to be a scientist or a uh, mineral extraction expert. How is it that uh, one of these mining uh, techniques, fracking, um, and the other one, conventional onshore gas, differ? And why is one okay and one not? Well, about
2: climate change, neither of them are good. The government and the industry says, oh, well, you know, unconventional gas, we've got to use hydraulic fracturing or fracking, which is pumping liquids under very high pressure into rock seams to fracture them to release the gas molecules. And they admit that that comes with an environmental cost and a Mm -hmm. groundwater contamination cost, whereas we would say... You know, the time for new fossil fuels is over. It's not just us, it's climate scientists are saying that. And even the International Energy Agency recently said there should be no further investment in new oil, gas or coal if governments are serious about avoiding catastrophic climate change. So the mainstream science is very clear. And conventional gas, apart from the climate change impacts, it does also industrialise landscapes. Mm. And we are talking about rural and regional and farming communities. And it does pose a risk of contamination of groundwater, much lower than with fracking, but it is still uh, an issue that does exist and needs to be dealt with.
0: Yeah, I spoke to um, Gillian Blair, who was a a dairy farmer um, a while ago back down in southwest Victoria, and she was talking about that industrialisation process and how it just, it really uh, destroys paddocks, destroys the, uh, the productivity of the land, but also... Does uh, quite like uh, impact people quite psychologically as well because it means a total change in the structure of the town, the way it's all run. It's it's a really a total revolution for places that have traditionally been uh, rural and farming.
2: Oh, absolutely! It transforms it into a you know industrial style landscape, and people are living in the country because they want to live in the country. You know, they don't want to mm. live in the industrial zone. And you do get trucks trucks moving around, you do get noise, you do get, you know, lighting at night. So it starts to transform what that community was like before the industry arrived.
1: Mm.
0: I think uh, last week I saw, um, or it might have been earlier this week, it all is a bit of a blur since lockdown (laughs) in terms of timing, but I saw um, there was a a protest by the uh, um, climate group Extinction Rebellion out the front of uh, Parliament and highlighting that climate impact of openness up to new gas. But I do remember last year um, the Australia Institute um, put out a report showing that the government had kind of... uh, fudged might be a strong word, the figures on on the the climate impacts that these uh, gas wells would have, um, they really grossly underestimated what the emissions were. Can you let us know about that?
2: Yes, they did. So they did a number of things. The government relied on the Victorian Gas Program reports. There were five reports that looked at, well, what's the gas resource and what would be the benefits and the costs of developing it? And they've been widely criticised for the figures they used in that. Uh, the Australia Institute said, yes, they did underestimate the climate change impacts. But the other thing that, to my mind, is quite important is it appears to overstate the jobs Mm. benefit. And this is a real problem right across the board. The gas companies will always give us the highest possible number of jobs that might be created. Mm. Then in reality, it never comes to that. So the final report, the Victorian Gas report, said there'd be between if we if we utilised all the gas, if we drilled it all, and let's leave aside all the cost of that, there would be between fifty-seven and two hundred and four jobs created. Um, but there was a claim from the Victorian government that up to 6,400 jobs would be created. So there's this constant problem of people who want to see fossil fuel developments overstating the, the employment benefits. And there's actually a great story in the conversation today about that, that looks kind of nationally at how gas industry and gas proponents tend to overstate the employment benefits. So uh, people could probably find that interested.
0: So it must leave, I mean, it, it leaves me scratching my head thinking, well, I hear constantly politicians talking about a gas-led recovery, um, which I presume means um, jobs and growth, jobs and growth, to um, quote a certain politician. Um, so, so what is the rationale, what, what is going on here that means that, that we do want to expose ourselves to these sorts of climate and industrialization of landscape risks?
2: It's just people that are beholden to the fossil fuel industry, all who have kind of believed the hype about gas and jobs. So we know that they overstate the job benefits. But Mm. if you look at the Victorian situation, even the Victorian government's own report said if we drill all the conventional gas, it won't fill the shortfall that we have and it won't bring prices down. So. Why are we doing it when it comes with such a, a large you know, social cost, environmental cost and climate cost? And it's just that the gas industry have been very, very clever and very persuasive at convincing a lot of politicians that gas is a, quote, transition fuel. That's an argument that made sense in the 1990s. But the way renewables and storage keeps becoming cheaper and now the fact we can electrify manufacturing, it's it's just a furthy argument now. It's no longer meaningful, but unfortunately... It's regurgitated endlessly through the business media and the Murdoch media, and a lot of people believe the hype.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I mean, it shows in the politicians who voted to lift that moratorium, which is lifted uh, Thursday, I believe, is the um, the D-Day, so to speak. You know, the um, Animal Justice Party, Sustainable Australia Party, Catherine Cummings, the Independent in the Upper House, and the Greens, um, and Ali Kappa in the Lower House, uh, the only uh, politicians who saw that, you know, the climate crisis is real and were prepared to um, to say no to this legislation passing. Um, it, it, it seems terrifying to think that um, so many um, politicians would vote for it. Um, how do how does, how do National Party MPs, I, I know you go and do a lot of um, chatting to MPs, how do they rationalise supporting industrialising farmland?
2: Well, they just regurgitate the industry line, which is that farming and mining can coexist. And my experience is that no, it can't. You can put a wind turbine on a farm and graze or crop around it. You can't graze or crop around a hole in the ground. Obviously, it's counterintuitive, but they regurgitate it. But unfortunately, you're right, amongst the main parties, the ALP, the Liberals and the Nationals, there is a consensus that gas is part of the solution. And so it's very hard to get traction at the policy level because there's no policy tension between them. That's true at the state level and it's true at the federal level. And basically the the major parties have really failed us on this and the nationals in particular have failed their constituency, which is regional people, and it's regional people driving the campaign against new gas and coal mining. So it seems like a strange move by them. It's not going to work well for them in the long term. And it's certainly annoyed a lot of their constituents in over the last decade where they, they're seem to have not backed their constituents on this really important issue.
0: Yeah, and and the the, the it really showed in the campaign the um, Back in uh, you know, a fever pitch around twenty fifteen. I mean, I'm thinking about all those tractor signs and um ute yep. blockades and <laughs> all the all the um very fun creative ways, the knitting nanas and all that sort of thing. Um I've seen a bit of hype building around this thing called Drill Watch um that um is starting to launch. Do you wanna talk us through what that is?
2: Yeah, sure. So this is a new initiative that Friends Earth has put together in conjunction with regional groups, and it's basically saying when the moratorium lifts and once exploration starts, the community will be watching what's going on and it will be opposing what's going on and so we've got a pledge there. The full website will be launched in August but for the time being there's a page where you can indicate that you pledge to oppose new fossil fuel projects on shore in Victoria and uh, there will be uh, forms on there where you can feed in information when you see licences being issued or drilling activity is underway. Um, And already several hundred people have signed up to join that campaign. So our feeling is the government says people are relaxed about conventional gas and they really don't care. But I think the real world experience is that people living in regional Victoria really don't want to see their landscapes industrialised. And more and more people are on the front lines of climate change. And they realise that more gas equals more climate change, which equals more problems in future. And, you know, the, the light bulb has gone on for people and people will be opposing this industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll put the link to um, that drillwatch.org.au uh, website in the show notes. Um, so if people are interested in taking that pledge, they can um, do that and also catch up on this conversation with Cam Walker from Friends of the Earth about... Gas in Victoria and the oncoming threat with the moratorium on conventional gas mining being lifted on Thursday. It just um, actually fills me with dread and disappointment, actually. Dan Andrews back at work, but uh, it's it's not a good week.
2: No, it's very disappointing that this has come around. Um, I guess the good news is we did stop all gas drilling in the state since 2014. The fracking ban is still there and is now in the constitution. But it's very clear that this is a bad move by the Victorian government and it will be strongly resisted by regional communities.
0: Awesome. Um, thanks so much for joining us today, Cam. It was great to hear the lowdown, hear the um inspiring story of that long running campaign a decade ago. Kinda of, it is it feels like a long time ago when you say it like that. Um yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> um but yeah, no, thanks for sharing um your experiences with that and also filling us with hope that we can continue to stop fossil fuels in Victoria. Thanks, Cam. Absolutely. Thanks, Phil. That was um, Cam Walker from Friends of the Earth, the campaign coordinator there, and a stalwart of the resistance to new fossil fuels and uh, the movement for climate justice in Victoria at Friends of the Earth. And, of course, we spoke about that Drill Watch initiative and the pledge that you can take. I'll put that into the show notes so you can check that out and listen to the conversation back. Um, We'll be back in just a moment.
1: You're tuned to 3CR 855 On your end dial If you've just tuned in To 3CR Why would you stay listening in a while.
0: I do recommend that you keep listening to 3CR because it's going to be a awesome day for radio. Of course, coming up after me is Billabong Beats. But next week is uh, NAIDOC week, and we've got a special Beyond the Bars uh, radio show going on on Tuesday. Um, Fear not, DIRT radio will continue as normal. But throughout the day, there will be all sorts of uh, fantastic stories uh, from First Nations people and people um, within the prison system as well as we um, resist that idea. Why are we locking people up um, when we could be doing much better things for each other? it is almost time for me to get out of here, but um, before I do that, I do want to let you know about um, one event coming up. It is an online event, so if you're a little bit worried about this uh, Delta Strain floating around, potentially around everywhere at the moment, um, then this is a good one um, where you can still get active in our community. There is a Koala Info Night going on um for Friends of the Earth's Streslecki Koala Action Team. And it is on Thursday at 8... uh, At 18? At 6.30pm. I'll um, save you from the militaristic time zoning. Um, so at 6.30 p.m., that koala info night, where you can find out more about the campaign to pre- protect the Streslecki koala um, that our friends here been part of for quite some time now, but are looking for people to get more active on it because it is getting down to a critical crunch time for this iconic species. So if you love cute koalas, then um, jump online to um, Friends of the Earth's Facebook page, Friends of the Earth Melbourne and you'll see that koala info night there or you can go to melbournefo.org.au where you can find all sorts of things like that and other collectives and campaigns that you can get active in because if we all get active, we can make a difference. Um, why? Because people have the power. I love a terrible kind of throwover to a song. So there's one for you. This is Phil Evans signing off for of Dirt Radio. But stick around for Billabong Beats on 3CR. Here's Patti Smith. I'll catch you in a week's time. See ya.